Buying or selling a home? Homey will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homey. See more at Homey.com. All right, PK, everybody knows BYU hasn't beaten Utah in a long time. you got to go back to the Mountain West and an overtime game about a decade ago down in Provo. But it's over now. The national championships in the rearview mirror. LSU had their perfect season. They had to parade. The confetti's been picked up. We're waiting for the Super Bowl. So if you write college football for some website, it's time for a, uh, a way early look at the top 25. Granted, there's still a signing day to go, and there's probably some transfer portal guys to go. And we haven't gotten to spring football yet. But so what? You put out your top 25. Who did it? Pro Football Focus, which is one of the most respected, if not the most respected website known to man and woman. And they've got their top 25. Ohio State may be losing their third most WAA. That's wins above average, whatever the crap that means. Wait, we got analytics for college football? But it also returns the most WAA in the FBS, headlined, of course, by Justin Strawberry Fields. So Ohio State's still loaded. Great. They're number one. Clemson's number two. Georgia's number three. Oregon, number four. It starts taking quarterbacks out of the conversation. Oregon has arguably the best roster top to bottom in college football. Uh, Yeah, great, but how do you take a quarterback out of the equation, really? She's really cute, except for that face. <laughs> Oregon's got a rockin' bod, that's what you're saying? Yeah. They need somebody to be the face of the program. It all comes together. Oh, man. <laughs> all right, so Oregon, except for the whole quarterback thing, you know, the most important position on the field. Yes. And then it has uh, Alabama 5, LSU 6. LSU's lost the most. They have the highest WAA lost. Well, they got a ton of underclassmen going, plus some talented Would seniors. Would you like me so. to clarify what WAA means? Win above average. I already said it. Oh, so it's like their war replacement. Yeah. Yeah. Win above average is what WAA Except baseball's is. got 162 games and possibly you 600 at bats thir- to wait. You have 13 maybe here. Mm, 12 oh, okay. to 15, I just named you the, the teams team. that are going to be in the playoffs, so it's not right. like they're that far off. Right, but I don't know if the numbers are anything. You just look at the teams it always is and make well, sure you're you blowing off numbers. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's Well, more, more in college football than in any other the, sport. I think this is so this get matters. To the, it's the get, players he got coming back. That's exactly what they're saying. Because the second most lost WAA in all of FBS is Utah. Bum, bum, bum. So it's obvious. So where do they have Utah? They don't. What? They have Washington 8th, and those are the only two Pac-12 Oregon teams. 4, Washington 8, and nobody else in the Pac-12 in the nope, top 25. Nope. Uh, they, anybody from the Mountain West? They value Appalachian State. At 21, Memphis at 22, Cincinnati at 23, Boise at 25. And then where it gets into how Utah is going to lose to BYU, teams in the next group in no particular order, San Diego State, TCU, UCF, Air Force, Kentucky, BYU, Iowa, SMU, Indiana, Texas A&M, and USC. So no Utah, no Arizona State. They got BYU on the list, but not Utah. So we can, from their list, we can infer that they're going to have Oregon edging Washington in the north, Oregon winning the conference, beating USC in the conference title game. Well, those are the only the three teams that are mentioned out of the Pac-12, right. so I don't know if you were inferring or just figuring it out logically. Same. Yeah, same thing. Uh, 
And BYU gets a shout-out and Utah doesn't, so Pro right. Football Focus must think the Cougars yeah. are going to beat the Utes in the opener. It's over. So do I. You do not. I do, too. For real, or are you messing with us? They're going to punk is like, them. Yuck. He always says, I can't believe people can't tell him I'm messing around. And I always tell him, you know, sometimes I can't tell. Right now, I legitimately I can't tell. Either. Yeah. Pro Football Focus is my Bible. All it's right. your B-O-M. So just come at it from different perspectives. Uh-huh. But the same thing, is basically. Book blue? You know, we basically have the same God, I think. Look at him. Although some of you, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and here we go. Now I can tell. <laughs> Earlier I couldn't, but now I can't. No, I have no idea who's going to win the game. I, I, I got to see Utah's spring ball first to see these quarterbacks to get a, and talk. Because I mean, this season wasn't the time to talk to them. Spring ball between now and then and afterward, at the conclusion of spring ball, when I have cons- co- private conversations to get some insight. That's, I haven't had, it's literally zero. So I have no clue about what they've got coming in. As far as that goes, let's see first, and then maybe in April we can make a better educated guess. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. When we come back, David Locke's going to join us. We'll talk more jazz with him on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations for the Utah Jazz, Dennis Lindsay. The team has been playing so well. How pleased are you with the progress that you're seeing on the floor? That's really all you can ask for, that the group improve. Quinn's doing a few things tactically different. Players are getting to know each other better. Now we're reintegrating Mike Conley. Those early returns have been terrific. And frankly, we just kind of got to put our head down, bow our neck, and continue to improve so we could start tackling the tougher part of the schedule that comes up over the next few weeks. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, David Locke joins us now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. David Locke joins us now. David, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Not as good as the Utah Jazz. 18 out of 20 is impressive. 13 of 14. 10 of those by double digits. That's impressive. But I think the thing that's getting my attention now is the fact they're 10 and 2 in the last 12 road games. Is that the most impressive thing to you, or you got something else right now that's getting you? No, I think the offensive rating of a 122 is the most impressive since Jordan Clarkson joined the team. I mean, that, that's his, you know, it's. It's not for an entire season, but for the last 14 games, the offense is a 122.6. The next closest in that span is Dallas at 116. So that's six points more for 100 possessions than the second best team. Uh, the league average is 110.7. So the difference between one and two, the Jazz one to two, is more than the difference between two to the league average. Um, it's pretty incredible what they're doing offensively right now um, without an excessive amount of outliers is actually what probably jumps out to me more than anything else. They're certainly shooting it well. The effective field goal percentage of 59%, which probably is not sustainable since it's three points better than anyone else in the league. But other than that, there's not a lot of stuff in here that's not too sustainable, and there's not a lot of individual performances that are that are outrageous. Um so it's curious. I'm curious to see who slows, who can figure out a way to slow down the offense at some point here. 
So they're now in second place, and a lot of folks had them being that high. And you speak of not a lot of outrageous individual performances. I think there's actually one, and it's to the one that's a surprise, because if you told me they would be this good without getting a whole lot from Mike Conley, that's where I'd be surprised. Not so much that they're there, but I had Conley expected to have a big season, and obviously because of injuries and other issues, he hasn't had that. Does that surprise you that they're where they're at, given the fact of the issues and situations of Mike Conley? Good point. Um, it's a really good point, because Mike Conley is pretty vital to everything we thought was going to happen. Boyan Bogdanovich and Mike Conley um, being inserted into that in, into that offense was what we thought. Now, Mike's you know, three games back, he's shooting 52%, but he's, it's not like he's shooting a lot and he's not doing anything that's too, um, too outrageous. I mean, I think it's a great point. You look at the last 14 games we're talking about, Donovan's shooting really well. Donovan's shooting 50 from the field and 40 from three. Bogdanovich is at 47 and 35. That's not crazy. Gobert's been great. He's at 69%. That's exactly what he was last year when Favors was off the floor. Clarkson's at 46, 33. Joe's at Joe's a little hot. He's at 50-49, so that's hot. That's probably harder than you can maintain. And the rest of the guys are kind of where you'd expect them to be. Um, and the shot quality they're getting is incredible. So, yeah, I would expect Mike to then add into that mix here as he gets more and more comfortable with time. Feels like the way they're going, there's no need to rush him back into the starting five or into the closing five. But assuming that they don't win nine out of every ten games for the rest of the season, at which point I guess I would never make any changes, what do you think about Quinn just kind of holding on to Mike in this uh, backup role until there is a bump in the road and they lose three out of five and they're struggling and maybe putting him in the starting lineup then would be the jolt to get him back on track? Mike would have to be really on board with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think you have to respect Mike Conley's career and who he is, and you know, you aren't supposed to lose your job due to injury. Um, so I think there's, I think you'd have to really, that have to be maybe Mike initiated more than Quinn initiated, and I'm not sure that that's a spot where I'd expect Mike Conley to go. I think, um, I think my, as Mike gets cleared more and more here, he's going to want to play more and more, and you can, and you know, you owe him the the respect to play him more and more. Okay, so with that in mind, and I obviously I buy what you're saying exactly, and since he's been back in the bench role, that's reduced the role of Moutier. But if Conley and when Conley goes back as the starter and plays more and more minutes, does that mean Moutier goes back to where he was as being the backup to Conley as it was earlier in the year? No, I don't think so. I think this is the new nine-man rotation Okay, um, that we're seeing right now. I think it just would be dispersed a little differently. You know, so... This is a phrase that I am not sure I've heard a lot of people talk about when you talk about substitution patterns. But if you kind of look at how teams do substitution patterns, you a player either will play – well, Jordan Clarkson actually is kind of a unique one, so I guess there's three. But a, a player will generally play either two stints or three stints and a half. Um and then, and certain players are different. Certain players like it different ways. Jordan Clarkson's unique in the sense that Jordan Clarkson is coming pretty close to playing one stint, right? He checks in and plays about 13 consecutive minutes with a quarter break in between. Um, and so some of the bench players maybe do that. But starters generally, you play players at either <clears throat> two or three stints. And so I think what you'll see is a nine-man rotation, and I don't know how they'll do it, but you may see Mike playing in – Stints so that his minutes are similar 
along with maybe starting, the added minutes are starting, and then he's playing similar minutes to what he's doing right now um, and against who he's playing um, in some ways. I, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, it's a way to – so you pl- in turn, you would play Mike in three stints. He would start, he'd play a closing you know, first quarter, and he'd play some stint in second quarter or something of that sort. Um, but I, I think this is the nine-man rotation moving forward. So no matter how good they've been, and they've obviously been very good – it's never perfect. What is Quinn working on? What is he cooking up? What is the next thing to improve them and make them better? They've been pretty good. I know. Um, I agree. I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of the things that Quinn's been working on throughout the season. Um, and I think, you know, he'll just dominate the details will be the phrase that he talks to them about the most, which is just the continuation of of trying to make sure that you're getting better every day and that you're, you know, you're dominating the details. And we're seeing it. I mean, a lot of them, the dominated details can involve Rudy. I mean, there's just play calls that we see that they're running now that are working that didn't run earlier this year because they didn't dominate the details by to make sure that, you know, Rudy's route was starting at the right spot or the ball was at the right angle or things of that nature. Um, there's one play in particular I'm thinking of, and, you know, they just are running it better than they ran it um, a month ago and in turn it's working. Just watching the games as I do, it seems that Jordan Clarkson gets his points so regularly, almost like it's with ease, and I know it's not, but it just seems like he is something that you can absolutely count on every game. How would you answer that? I think that's actually what is most interesting to me about this team right now. I agree 100%, PK. Um, And I'm just blown away by his ability to get to the basket. And I'm wondering, you know, the same thing everybody else is, is there, is there a matchup here at some point where he doesn't? Um, he's sneaky good on the pick and roll, too, by the way. His numbers with Gobert on the pick and roll are through the roof. Um, the, the one that has me maybe most excited about this team is the standard deviation of performance is really narrow. And so when you have a great team is when you can pen in what each player is going to give you each night. When you have a team that's not that way, it's when you have the player who averages 16 points a game, and that means he gives you 24 one night and 12 the other. And that's actually 18. But um, So, you know, that's, um, you know, when you have that, it's hard because you lose on the night where he gives you 12 and you win the night where he gives you 24. We don't have that right now, right? Like, I mean, we can just about open the box score, right? Fill out the box score before the night's over. Donovan's getting 24. Boyan's getting 21. Yeah. Rudy's getting like 17. Joe's getting 12. Royce is going to get eight. Clarkson's coming off the bench for 15. And it's about the same every single night. And then it's about the same without Quinn Snyder, like calling each guy's number. It's just happening in the flow of the game. That, to me, is the most interesting and encouraging thing about what's taking place on this team. Because if you're is having that level of consistency in performance out of all of your guys, then how do you have a bad night? And we haven't had one yet. We got outscored by New Orleans. Um, And it will be interesting to see in the next 10 games when we play good offensive teams. None of them are top 10 defensive teams until we play Miami on the final night before the All-Star break, whether any of those teams can outscore us. So, going forward, you were talking about being able to pencil in, you know, Rudy will get his 17. Rudy started putting up these 20-point games, five of the last six, and I'm wondering if that's because the Jazz have 
for quite a while now, had four of the top 25, 33 point shooters in the league. And as much as they wanted to take away the dunks, as PK mentioned, uh, hey, three is more than two. They're not leaving these good three point shooters. Is Rudy going to be in the paint in a two man game? Because they, they tend to score a lot of points with him when that happens. I mean, their catch and shoot game right now is at 42.7%. So you're about 1.3 points per shot on the catch and shoot. You got You can't like if you're the opposing team, you cannot let that happen. Like you've got to limit that. So now you're playing pick and roll, and Rudy's rolling. And uh, if Rudy sets a good pick, now you've got to probably switch that pick and roll. And so you've got a big on the guard or the big trying to play both. There just aren't that many bigs that can do what Rudy does, where he guards two guys that in that manner. And I mean, this is this is the essence of what the offense is. This is how you pick your poison. Now the Warriors are terrible, but. You know, Indiana, who was, I think, sluggish, didn't have an answer for it. I, I don't, I don't, I think the answer is on certain given plays, you're going to have to start trapping this team a little bit. But if you trap us regularly, we've torched everyone for three years who's done that. So I don't really know right now. Um, it'll be, I think, phys- teams are going to get into us physically, blow up our spacing. Our spacing last night was terrible. And so you, if you just freeze frame the game last night, every possession we came down our floor spacing, just absolutely perfect on every play. And then it just gives Clarkson and Gobert and all these guys just so much room in the middle of the floor to manage Boyan just working his way in. You know the floor spacing's not as good on the nights where Boyan's driving, the ball's getting knocked out of his hands because he's, you know, he's not at 6'9 or 6'8, he's not the tightest dribbler, and we're asking him to do stuff he hasn't done before. Um, but it's... Uh, you know, I, I don't know what you do defensively because you, you just don't have a lot of guys you can leave. I think teams are going to leave Royce at a higher rate than they are right now and force him to beat him. And I think they're going to do the same thing with George, and he's shown he can beat him. Um, and so those are the two guys that I think if you're a team coming in, you're just going to decide those two have to shoot as much as you possibly can because everybody else is too good. Do you anticipate that the team's excited to go into this between now and the All-Star break when the schedule gets tougher to maybe, I don't know necessarily to prove to themselves, but really just shut up critics who say you're just doing nothing but beating bad teams? I do think they're excited to play. Like, I think it's just really fun for them to come to the arena every night. I think they, you know, we got in late last night and they get the day off today. And, and I would guess what they have today. I don't know this, but I would guess. No, I actually think they might have a closed gym today. Sometimes they'll, they'll close the gym and say. It is closed. You know, it's locked out. A- it's a lockout, Joe told us. It's locked out. Yeah, okay. So it's a lockout. Um, because if it's not a lockout, I would guess that, and, and that's probably why they did a lockout. Um, because everyone's so, having such a good time that if you're not careful, everyone will just show up at the gym at one o'clock and, and you're not getting what they need to have as a lockout. So, um, I, I think, um, I think there's just a great energy to everything that's going on. Ethan Strauss, who writes longtime writer, not longtime, but an interesting NBA writer. Um, afterwards I was talking with him and he's like, I have not seen a locker room like that in a long time. He's like, maybe the Warriors the very first year when they kind of clicked and everything was so happy, but he's like, wow, that locker room in there was as joyous and fun and they're having a good time together. I just think these guys right now, I mean, it's really, it's really fun when you're this good to, to go to work every day. So I think that's, um, I think that's a large part of what we're seeing. And so to your question specifically, PK, I just think they're excited to go to the gym. Is it playing better teams? Honestly, I think these guys have a pretty good respect for everyone they're playing um, and know that those are other NBA players. They certainly know they're better than them, like last night, but I think they have a pretty good respect that like D'Angelo Russell could go for 45 if you forget to show up. So I 
I think there's probably a little bit of hype that you're ready to go play Luca or James Harden um, because of the, who they are. But I also actually just think players more than fans are actually pretty ready to play every night because they have respect for the 450 guys in the league. Well, David, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll hear you Saturday afternoon. The Jazz and the Mavericks. I know. I got to remember that one. Don't get you know. Don't show up three hours late for that one. <laughs> exactly. Three o'clock game. All right. Thanks, David. You, buddy. All right. You were talking about that earlier, PK. We're seeing more of these weekend afternoon games because that puts it prime time in Europe. <laughs> I heard that that allows them to tele- televise yeah. some games live. Yeah. The Jazz had one. Was it Charlotte a few weeks back? And then obviously here, uh, so yeah, I mean, build your product, and so you're facing Dallas, which is foreign dominated with Porzingis and right. Doncic, yeah, Rudy and Gobert, then and obviously the Jazz have Bogdanovich. all sorts of yeah. foreign guys. So if you can sell your product over there, and I don't know what the time difference is, and yeah, that, that, that's that's a no brainer, and it's not like every game. Although I don't, I don't know that I don't have to speak for fans. I I would think they would enjoy a three o'clock game. Still have your Saturday night because you're playing so many of them. Uh, you're done by five thirty in the evening yeah. as it is. Now I don't know how that relates to ticket sales and whatnot. I think when the team is this hot, they can pretty much play any time. Normally, I think it would have an impact on. But right yeah, now, I know, but they're not deciding it after they've won twenty games. Let's right. play at three o'clock on no, Saturday. You're right; it's going to work out <laughs> in the long run. It could be a problem because yeah. they're playing X number of games, and right. every team can't, every home team can't be hot. It's just in this particular game. I think you and I both expect over eighteen thousand here. Because oh, yeah. everywhere we go, people are talking about the Jazz. Everybody's excited. Everywhere we go, people want to know about the Jazz, about the Jazz. That's what you don't get on any other show, <laughs> for better or worse. Well, you set me up for that. Everywhere we go. I mean, that's... <laughs> DJ and PK, we are brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. Your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. I don't think that there's a time since maybe 97, 98 where I look at a team and say a championship is within reach. And I know we want to be really careful about talking about that. And I get that. But I think it's time we start allowing that to be part of the conversation because sometimes when we address this team, we talk about this is a team that could make it to the Western Conference Finals. Well, I think it's okay to talk about making it to the NBA Finals. I don't think we need to be scared about talking about that. And I'm not saying that, you know, if they don't make it to the NBA Finals, finals it's a disappointment but i think it's also okay to say you know what this is a team capable of doing that would i pick the jazz to beat the lakers in a seven game series i don't know but the fact that i don't know right now means that the jazz have a pretty good chance catch hans and scotty every day from noon to three presented by your rocky mountain chevy dealers on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network your feedback brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Question of the day The Jazz are alone in second place in the Western Conference. Will they relinquish it? Golf Man Ute says the next 10 to 12 games will tell us the answer. Guess well, 10 to 12 is a long, uh, good that's, stretch of games. That's yeah. basically right for the All Star break. That's. What's left before the break? To get to the all-star break and hold on to it then, then he thinks they're good to go. I can buy that. 
Let's see, they got uh, in Jan. They got one, two, three, four, five, ten before the All Star break. Yeah, and then they get. How about this? They they this is a huge stretch. Because if if they if they slip a little bit, mm-hmm. and the All Star break for them starts on the twelfth at home against Miami, which is a Wednesday, then they don't play that following Friday until the Spurs. So right there, they get nine days off. Plus, when they come out of the All Star break, they play five games at home over the next week. So they will be home if they stay in the All Star break. They'll be home for over two plus weeks of not going anywhere <laughs> in an NBA schedule. That's pretty unusual. Yeah. That's really unusual. Yeah. Maybe the Spurs vet something like that because they take that ridiculously long rodeo road trip. So they Which must is have, always around the All-Star break. Right. Yeah. They must have some stretch with their home for a long time to balance yeah. it out. But you're right. It doesn't happen very often. doesn't happen to very many teams. So you, if you choose not to go anywhere, you can literally be in whatever house you have, if it's permanent or temporary, for over two weeks. So when they come back out of that All-Star break with five consecutive games at home, anything that they may have slipped up before, they have an excellent opportunity to make up. Will they have the same mojo coming out of the break? They've got their, they're in rhythm now and all that. Will the time off be a problem? Or are they just going to come back from the break and just like... It's equal. Everyone has the same time off, so Mm -hmm. that's up to them to decide. But they should roar into March. Thoracic James says, why don't you wake me up when y'all beat the Rockets, LOL. Rockets have taken the Jazz out in the postseason a couple times. And guess who's coming to town Monday night? The Rockets. The Rockets. Looking forward to that game for sure. Dallas is here Saturday. Houston's here Monday. Those are the next two games for the Jazz. All right, we're all done. Tony and Austin are coming up next on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.